Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. If you will turn to the book of Romans chapter 5, we have been studying a series I have been calling The Sign of the Times. Praise God. Romans chapter 5. Now, let me just kind of give you a little background here. As a minister, I mean, when I came back to the Lord 36 years ago, I was not totally ignorant about things to do with ministry and being a minister. My dad had been an attorney to ministers for many years. And not only that, but uh, in our lives, and uh, my, myself, my brother and sister, my mom and dad, our family, we were very close to brother and sister Goodwin. We're very close to Velma and B.B. Hankins down in West Columbia. Uh, we were always around ministry and preachers. And so I, you know, uh, out of, uh, in Bible school, even before Bible school, some doors would open and I'd go preach and minister. And I knew that I had to have a, a discipline in prayer and in the Word. Uh, that's important for anybody who's a, who's a preacher, minister. Uh, you need to have a discipline in the prayer and the Word. And that discipline has grown over the years. And I would say, for a, about the past five years, uh, I've, you know, I've got a certain discipline routine in the Word, and, and I've seen fruits of that, especially in our international ministry. But recently, a real strong unction, when I say a real strong unction, something that's literally physical, that just came down and came on the inside of me, and I knew that that was an unction to step up, to increase uh, my... Uh, uh, to increase my prayer life, my study, uh, to take a lot more time in seeking God for the church, uh, for the direction of the church, for, for what I need to teach and preach. And uh, it's just, you have to labor to enter into something like that. But once you get there, it's, it's a joy to do it. It's, it's a powerful thing. And, and so here, just in the past few days, I, I think uh, it was uh, Sunday evening into Monday, the Lord spoke something to me. And he says, now I'm going to give you a subject. I want you to teach on that. And I want you to, I want you to, uh, to study it out, uh, to use the experience and what you've used to, to uh, 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 teach on it in the past. But I want you, now this is unusual. The Lord spoke to me. He said, I want you to teach and preach on this till it's demonstrated or till it happens. And so I was, you know, uh, uh, a subject such as healing. Of course, you know, you can teach and preach on it. I've always said, you want something to manifest, just teach and preach on it and, and it will. And, uh, you know, are the gifts of the Spirit. But the Lord gave me a subject. And, and when he began to deal with my heart and deal with, you know, uh, everything, he says, well, d didn't the Lord tell you to teach on what you're teaching on? I said, yeah. I said, didn't he tell you what to, to teach on what you're teaching on it's Sunday? Yeah, but he's still, he's still God and Jesus is still the head of the church. And he knows, he knows the timing of that which we need information for. Now, in the redemptive package that God has given us in Christ, something revealed here in Romans chapter 5 preached on it, oh, I don't know, thousands of times, hundreds of times. Uh, 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 chapter 5, verse 1. Now, notice this in, in, in the Scripture. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we read that, but we don't really recognize or realize the weight of that word, of that Scripture right there. I'm telling you, that is a powerful Powerful, redemptive scripture. Listen to it again. 
And I, I like it in the King James. I've looked at all the other different ones. Uh, 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 Amplified is a little too wordy for me. Uh, uh, same thing with um, uh, the Message Bible and the, and the uh, Passion Bible that we've been studying and reading, uh, reading lately. I just like the kind of the poetic term of how the Apostle Paul and the translators from Aramaic to Greek wrote Romans 5.1. Therefore being justified by faith. Everybody say by faith. Now notice this. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now do you remember when the angels appeared uh, to the shepherds in the fields of Bethlehem. Remember the Christmas story and the, the shepherds? And they, they declared uh, peace on earth, goodwill not among men, but toward men, which was really their declaration of Jesus Christ coming to the earth to restore peace between God and man. Up until that point, the only peace that man had with God was through a covenant that Israel had, a bleeding sacrifice, a priesthood that is given. In that covenant, they had a type of peace. But it's not the peace we have today. It's not the family relationship we have with God. And so the Lord began to talk to me. and he, As I began to study, begin to pray, I've been spending hours in my office, the Lord spoke to me and said, he said, you know, you go and look at the redemptive package as described in Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are or we were healed, past tense. Now, we're real big on talking about, you know, the, uh, the, the, the iniquity, the sin, and how Jesus came and took our iniquity, took our sin. Then we kind of jump over uh, the chastisement of his peace and we get over there to by his stripes we're healed. Aren't you glad? Have you ever been healed by the power of God? Amen? By His stripes, we're healed. But listen, we have really minored on the chastisement of His peace was upon us, or the chastisement of our peace was upon Him. We have really not majored on it like we've majored on the other two uh, uh, doctrines that are on the, each side of that. And I thought it amazing that God began to deal with me because if ever we need peace, we need it now. And I began to think about you know, how peace was restored between God and man through all that Jesus did. And now, now God finally has a family relationship on the earth, His own very own family, washed by the blood, sanctified by the Word, empowered by the Holy Ghost. His family is here on the earth right now, and He's got a family in heaven. We know that by Scripture also. But not only that, we must understand that just as powerful and important as the salvation scriptures are that have to do with sin and iniquity, and as powerful as all of our healing doctrine. I have a friend right now who's, who's really having an issue uh, uh, physically. And he's, he, he, he goes to another church and he told me, he said, my church doesn't believe in healing, but I really need help. So I've been really ministering. I, my fingers get tired from, from typing the text and encouraging and sending scripture. But I, I told him, I said, you can do this. You can do this. You can receive healing. And, you know, we've, we've taught it. We've preached on it. We've had healing meetings. But listen, when it comes to this peace thing, it is just as important. It is just as prevalent, it is just as necessary that we understand and walk in peace as it is that we be born again, get our sins forgiven, iniquity annihilated, and that we be healed by the power of God. Amen? Now, you may not realize this, but I trust that as we teach this, the Lord, this is how He spoke it to me, so I'm just going to tell it to you how He spoke it to me. He said, I want you to preach and teach on peace 
till there's peace in the church. Now listen, this is how he said it. You say, well, what, what's going on in the church? No, no, you need to hear how he said it to me. He said, you need to teach and preach till there's peace in the church to such a measure that the church is able to go through what's going on in the world because you will see between now and the time you either go to the grave or Jesus comes back, there will be no peace on this earth. There'll be no peace. There'll be, there'll be wars. There'll be rumors of wars. There'll be turmoil. There'll be, there'll be all types, even in, even in nature, even in the, even in the, uh, uh, in the weather and all. There, there, there'll be no peace. But God said... Peace in the church will get you through. And peace in the church means there has to be peace in the church people. Peace in the church members. Peace in the church family. And if we can discover, many times we live in denial. It's hard to live in denial that there's sin in your life. I mean, you know, you know if you're, you're out there smoking crack, doing stupid things. You know, you know I mean, you know that I didn't go get you when it comes to things of God. And then you know when you're not feeling good. How I many know when you're sick? But how many recognize and realize many times we walk in a place in our life, sometimes for months, sometimes for years, in certain areas in which we do not have any peace at all. Now that's terrible. You know, one thing I can say about God. Uh, when I came back to the Lord, from the time I came back to the Lord till right now, as I stand in this building right now, I have had peace. Now that doesn't mean that peace hadn't been challenged. That doesn't mean that peace I hadn't had to fight to get it back. That doesn't mean that, 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 that you know, uh, I've always had this tranquil state. No, I've had agitation. I've had, I've had all kinds of things that have happened. But I've always fought back to that place where I could say, you know, finally I'm at peace. And that no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what has happened, no matter what, what, what it looks like may happen in the future, God doesn't want you caught up in the turmoil and the anxiety and the strife of this world. He wants you at peace. Amen. Amen? Let me just say it like this. He wants you sharing in the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants you walking in that peace. He wants that peace manifesting in you to such a point that people can see you are different. Now that's going to happen more and more and the, and the gap in between those that can see it and those that are walking in it is going to get profound. You say, why? There's going to be such turmoil and strife upon this earth in the days to come. I made a statement here at the church. Oh, I don't know. It's been four or five months ago that I, I had this alarm in my spirit. It's just something in me, something. I had the same thing back right before 9-11. And so uh, we know this thing with the pandemic has happened and then this uh, turmoil that's risen up. Around. And so I've had a couple of people ask me, was that it or was that it? It's not. Neither one of them were. There's still something in my spirit that I know that's coming upon the earth. I don't know if it's going to be a global thing. I don't know if it's going to be uh, something. I've prayed about storms and hurricanes. I've gotten no, uh, you know, uh, you know me. I'll pray and we'll find out and we'll bind those things. But I haven't felt that it's that. But there's something in my spirit that has not manifested yet. And we need to be at such a place in peace where it manifests, uh, when it manifests, that it's not going to knock us off our pin, so to speak. We're going to be ready for it with the peace of God in our hearts and the peace of God in our lives. And I literally, listen, I saw this in the Spirit in prayer one day. I saw people wringing their hands in public, standing there wringing their hands because they were, so, uh, they were in so much anxiety because of what had happened on the earth. Now, that's amazing. Now, you may have thought, 
four or five months ago that that might not be possible, but you, you look around right now, and I guarantee you the possibility of it is, is very strong. So we're not going to concentrate on what might be coming. We're going to concentrate on getting through it with the peace of God so that we can remain effective in the kingdom. Amen. Now, this goes all the way back. Now notice, therefore, and, and you know, we can always go preach on the other side of the therefore, but we're not going that direction tonight. Therefore, being justified by faith. I like it like this. Just as if justified, never sinned. Just as if I had never sinned, by faith, we have peace. Now, that begs the question. All right, Pastor? If we needed to have peace with God, why? Why didn't we have peace with God? Now, that goes all the way back, and I'm so amazed how so much of my study lately has led me back to Genesis chapter 3. And how literally what took place in the garden. Could you imagine what a place of peace the Garden of Eden was? I don't really think we can. I think we can think about it. I've been in some, some beautiful gardens, some beautiful places. Went to one in Ireland one time that was just uh, all these, uh, what are those blue flowers they have over there? They're just, they were just, all, it was a whole, uh, uh, like a tunnel of these blue flowers. And you walked into this garden. It was so peaceful. Uh, we were in, in one in Costa Rica. Remember where all the butterflies were? Now, that was really cool. We've been in a couple in Hawaii. And it's almost like you could just lay down there and just, you know, like a dry biscuit in gravy kind of sop up the peace. <laughs> Only illustration I got. Amen. <laughs> you know, just, just, just sop it up, you know. I've been in different places on sunrises and sunsets, and, and it's just so peaceful, and there's just so much peace there. So you can imagine what the garden must have been like with the security of a fellowship with God, a security of a relationship with God, a security of all that you were in creation, all of that, and then just the, the, the tranquil, calm, the literal atmosphere, the very manifestation of peace was in the garden. It included what? It included provision. It included presence or the presence of God. It, 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 listen, it included, uh, it included uh, all that God would interact with man with, their fellowship. The Bible said he would come down in the, in the, in the cool of the evening and walk with his creation. What, what must that have been like? We watched, a, what was that movie the other night? Tarzan. Not the old one with Johnny Wisemiller, but the new one. And, you know, he was hanging out with all these animals and stuff. I thought to myself, he ain't got nothing on God. God come down and walk around on this earth. I guarantee you, every animal would want to be around him. All of creation would want to be around him. He'd bring his presence. He'd bring his peace. Amen. The very peace of heaven was on the earth in the Garden of Eden. And sin came in and interrupted that peace. And we did not get it back till 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross. The chastisement of our peace. Now, how many know what chastisement is? Chastisement is an irritation. It's a, uh, have you ever chastised anything or anybody? I had this little dog one time, a little black dog with some brown spots on it. His name was Aquilo. We taught him how to catch the Frisbee. He was a beach dog. And my boss came over after work one day, and, and uh, he was, you know, drinking a few and smoking a few, and, and uh, he kept chastising this dog. He'd grab it by, and I said, don't, that, that dog's going to get, don't do that. And he'd, he'd reach over there and grab it, so the dog go, yeah. I said, don't do that. Well, the problem was, you know, with every beer he drank and every joint he smoked, he was getting a little slower. <laughs> and so he reached over there and grabbed Kilo by the nose and went, yeah. 
and he was a little slow bringing that ham back, and that dog got the back of his hand and made hamburger out of it. I mean, the blood was dripping off his fingers. He stood up and said, you need to kill that dog. I said, you shouldn't have been teasing him. Amen. Can you imagine? Now listen, you've got to get to the level of the chastisement that came upon the Lord Jesus Christ because he did not respond to it. They pulled out his beard. They spit upon him. That's part of the chastisement. But that was not it. Built into chastisement, if you'll study it out, you'll see there's an element of rejection that is in chastisement that literally causes you to lose your peace if you're not careful. Can you imagine being the covenant God of a nation, of a people, knowing that you would come to earth, that you would literally die for their sins, but that they would reject you? Here they were crying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. He was their creator. He, listen, he was the one that was the cloud in the day and the fire by night. He was the manna on the, on the floor of the desert. He is the one that was in the sword of David. He was the one that was in the wisdom of Solomon. All down through their, through their existence, the nation of Israel, the Word of God and the Spirit of God working together to bring provision and protection. All that, that was is encompassed in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was what? He was rejected. You talk about chastisement. I'll tell you, it's better to get bit on the hand. Amen? I mean, he, he, he experienced that. And who was crying out, crucify him, crucify him? But I mean, the very priesthood that had been raised up in order to get Israel to God, they did not realize they were offering up the last spotless lamb. And in doing that, now, now, now what we do many times, and, and we'll get into this as we teach this, what we do, and we'll study the different dimensions of chastisement, because you'll see every one of us has been chastised. But it's how we respond that determines our peace. And many of us lose our peace when chastisement, you ever had just something just irritate the fire out of you? I mean, like you just want to take a ball bat and clean the whole thing up. Oh, yeah, I, I, where's my camera? Where's my phone? I'm going to get a picture of these holy faces one of these days. I guess I'm the only one that's like that, huh? I, there are so many things in life, in marriage. Amen. In, 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 in pastoring and in, in driving down the road. There are so many things that can get to you that you just want to, and it does what? It robs you of your peace. And the problem is, now listen to me closely. The problem is, if we get robbed of our peace and we don't fight to get it back, then we enter into a lifestyle and a routine of a lifestyle that we get used to living without it, thinking that we can live without it, not knowing that as we sow that which is not peace, we reap it back. I'll show you that in just a minute. I mean, it's a, it's a powerful, powerful reality. Go, to, go, if you will, real quick, go over there to Genesis 3. You ought to have all kinds of things written around Genesis 3. We, we look at it just about for everything. But it, it was. It was the... It was, the, it was the incident in the world that all this thing fell. All of it went down. Now, I'm not going to go teach all that we've been teaching about it, but, you know, let's start there and we'll be a good place, Lord. How about, ver how about verse 6? No, no, no. Go up to verse 4. And the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. That was a lie. Everybody say a lie. Now, let me tell you something. 
Did you know lies steal your peace? If you're a person of truth and you're a person that believes that, you know, you shouldn't lie, thou shalt not lie, and people lie to you, even, listen, that's why you got to be careful what you watch, what you listen to, because it's amazing how the lies of the media, the lies of people, the lies of politicians, the lies, whatever, you name it, their lies will steal your peace if you let it. Have you ever watched a newscast and thought, that ain't the truth. That's just a lie. And then it just kind of, you're just kind of like, huh. <laughs> Amen? Well, that's, that's what lies do. And when Satan said, listen, he is, the, he is a liar, he is the father of lies, and the truth is not in him. And when he said the woman, to the woman, thou shalt not surely die, it was an absolute, outright lie. Wasn't a white lie, gray lie, black lie, green lie. It was a lie. Period. Not only was it a lie, it was the lie. It was the lie that carried all of the promise and potential of the destructive nature of our adversary. Fall for this one, and you're going to fall all the way down. Now notice, thou shalt not lie. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now notice this. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. All right, here you go. Hey, God, what did you put a tree like that in the garden for? Now, I know you had to put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden because man had to have a choice to serve you. But why would you make it pleasant to the eyes? Why would you make it to be desired? You know, if I was God, what I'd have done? I'd have put the nastiest old looking tree you ever saw in your life. You'd, you'd smell the stink of that fruit three miles away. You wouldn't want to be anywhere around it. There'd be thorns all around it. Amen? There'd be all kinds. Of, God, what do you mean? Well, what do you mean? It's a, it's a good looking tree. It's a nice tree. It's got fruit to be desired. Listen, many times things that steal your peace dress themselves up. You ever had something happen to you and you thought, oh, I didn't see it like that when it all started. And it's something really got your peace. Lee and I had something like that happen to us financially. And we sat in a sales room and we listened to a sales pitch and we jumped on it and we thought to ourselves, man, this is going to be great. And man, it wasn't but about six months we figured out we done made a boo-boo here. And I'm telling you, it stole our peace. But let me tell you what we did. We humbled ourselves. We repented before God. We got on our knees and we repented. We said, Lord, forgive us. We acted on something that we should not have acted on. We did not pray it out. We allowed ourselves literally to be duped. There's no one to blame but us. And we're asking you for forgiveness. And we're asking for your mercy because we can't live with the weight of this on us. And God gave us a miracle. Absolutely gave us a miracle. And with that miracle, He restored our peace. And that thing wasn't dressed up the way that it should have been. Because they didn't tell us the truth about it. So there was a lie involved. There was everything that you thought could involve. But thank God for His mercy because that was one of those mercy things that God just got us out of that. Amen? Now notice this. It says, to make one wise, she took of the fruit and did eat, gave also to her husband with her, and they did eat, and the eyes of them both were open. They knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God 
amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? I've always called those the three saddest words of the Bible. Where are you? Where are you? What a question. He said, Where are you? He said, And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was naked, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, Here we go, you ready? The woman that thou gavest to be with me. <laughs> Adam lost his peace. But not only that, the peace of the garden was violated. The presence of God, that was violated. Everything that made them who they were in creation was violated. Now, I truly believe this. And if I'm wrong, when we get to heaven, I'll come find you. And you'll probably be in my class anyway, so... I believe there were several opportunities for intercession to be made and for mercy to be extended. How much does David and Solomon, many of the prophets of God, speak of the mercy, the mercy, the mercy, the mercy of God, that which God is able to do to stop from happening what should happen because of that which we inflict upon ourselves. I believe at the, at, at the tree when the woman took the fruit, I believe the man could have gone to the father as an intercessor and said, you know, uh, the woman that you've given me, she's made a mistake. She ate of the fruit. But we're here and we're kneeling before you, Father. And we're asking. We're not hiding among the trees. We're, we're not, we're not, we're not uh, covering ourselves with fig leaves. We're here before you, stripped naked, asking for your mercy. You think God would have rejected him? No. I believe even here when he's hiding himself among the trees, he could have come out. He could have fell on his knees. He said, it's God, we miss you. We've sinned and we've sinned before heaven. We've sinned in your sight. Lord, we're not even worthy to be in this garden anymore. But I'm crying out and I'm putting a demand upon your mercy right now. I truly believe God would have pardoned them. But they didn't even consider that. When you lose your peace, you begin a process of not considering your way out. Now think about that for just a moment. When you lose your peace, it blinds you. What does it blind you to? Not to the problem, because right there, it, just in that one simple phrase, hey man, it's the woman. So what's he doing? He's blaming the woman. He's blaming God for giving him the woman. It, it's... Uh, <laughs> Pastor friend of mine, they're, they're, oh, back in, Lord, 25 years ago, their son was about three. And he picked up the spoon that his mama used to spank him with. And he was holding it. And he got this look in his face. And she, she looked at him and said, Adam, don't you think of it. And he slapped her on the leg with that spoon. Well, mama grabbed that spoon and just tore him up. And he turned around and screamed, I didn't ask to be born. Three years old. I didn't ask to be born. He lost his peace. I said he lost his peace. Amen. I mean, you ever felt like that before when you're going through something? I didn't ask to be here. I didn't ask for all this. I didn't sign up for this. That's what people say. I didn't sign up for this. 
Well, you in it like the rest of us are, so you might as well get used to it and get your peace back. Amen? Listen to the blame. Listen to all of it. And listen, God is standing there, and He's the one with all the grace, all the mercy, all the compassion, all the forgiveness. Nothing is impossible with God. He can restore. He can bless. He can do whatever He needs to do to bring peace back, and they're not even considering it. Listen, all of us have areas in our lives many times where we lose our peace. And sometimes it's months and years after we get a lot of knots on our head before we decide, maybe I ought to find a way out of this so I can get my peace back. Amen. Well, that's what God wants you to do. Now, go over to John, the Gospel of John. How oh, I'm doing so good tonight. I got to remember to take an offering and do the announcements too, though. So maybe I'm not doing as good as I think. Go to John chapter 14. If there was ever a man on the earth with peace, it was Jesus. Amen. If you ever want to know what peace is, look at Jesus. I like beginning there in verse, uh, what is that, 25? It says, these things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, everybody say the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I've said unto you. Now notice, notice just the next, the next verse. They're connected. Remember that uh, these books were not written in chapter and verse. They were, uh, chapter and verse was given to us for reference sake. So he's brought up the subject of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, which in our dispensation is unique in that it is in a twofold working status. He comes in to abide through the new birth. So you've got the Spirit of God. You've got the Spirit of peace abiding in you. And he comes on you to empower so you're empowered to walk in peace. You have peace that abides on the inside. No wonder the enemy does everything he can do to try to disturb your peace. Amen. So many people today, they have, they, they have trouble sleeping. They have anxiety. Uh, man, they say that uh, the pharmaceutical company has, has built uh, trillions of dollars upon the prescriptions that men and women have to take uh, to try and get some type of tranquility into their life. The illegal drug market, they're legalizing weed. Listen, weed ain't going to give you peace. Drugs aren't going to give you peace. Alcohol's not going to give you peace. Let me just say, let me just throw this out here so, so it'll help you. You're not going to get peace in a relationship. Well, if I marry him, I'll have peace. If I marry, no, you won't. You'll, dra you'll, drag, you'll drag your turmoil into that situation and, and disturb all the peace. Well, I'm going to go to another church, find me some peace. It won't be there. It won't be there. You say, why? Because you're taking that lack of peace with you. It's going to follow you everywhere you go. Because it's not the things that are outward that are tearing your peace up. It's what's on the inside that's tearing your peace up. What you let get to you, what you let touch you in your soul, that which touches your mind, your emotions, your will, all of a sudden you get blinded to the way out and you've got to understand God has given us the Holy Ghost and one of His ministries is what? He is a guide. He is a guide. He can guide you out of any situation and put you right back on a path of righteousness and restore your peace so that your peace will be something tangible that you realize on an everyday basis. You get up in the morning, you're at peace. You go out during the day, you're at peace. You come home, you lay your head down at night, and you're at peace. I've been going to bed at night. I've been having revival. You ever use your imagination? 
You know, I've always used my imagination for, for good things since I've been born again. So I've been thinking, every night when I go to bed, I have four or five scriptures that I just kind of mumble. Leah, don't, I don't even say it loud enough for, for, for Leah to hear me. And so I start, I, I close my eyes and I start imagining what revival would look like at Island Church. And, I, and, I, and I'm not looking at it, you know, in some buildings. I'm looking at it right here. Right here. People lined up down the, down the deal. People getting saved. People shouting. People all kinds of, you know, uh, even getting in trouble because of what we're doing. The government come and try to steal your peace. Say, yeah, no, not going to let you do it. Amen? I mean, just, just something that God is doing, the power of God in manifestation, the glory of God, people enjoying the presence of God, and many people coming to the Lord. I close my eyes and I see it. I just fall asleep. And you know when I wake up in the morning, that's the first thing I think about. I got revival on my mind. Amen? I mean, I know, I know what it is to live like that. I lived like that for 18 years. Everywhere I went, everything I did, we did in a revival gear. You say, well, what's, what's, what's wrong now? We're coming back. We're getting our peace back, and we're entering into that which God says to do. But now notice the Holy Ghost. Everybody say the Holy Ghost is mentioned, but in verse 27 he says, Peace I leave with you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Now listen to this. Never let, neither let it be afraid. Everybody say afraid, afraid and trouble. Now remember Adam in the garden. Adam, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree that I told you not to eat of? Well, that's the woman you gave me. We ate. I was afraid and I hid myself. Afraid, trouble. Afraid. Listen, Satan is working overtime on your faith, trying to get you out of faith and into fear on every level. Physical, financial. Oh, we're in a depression. Oh, there's never been so many people out of, out of work. Oh, I tell you, we're not going to make it. It's all going to... Listen, we serve God. I said we serve God. Nothing is impossible with our God. Come on, church. You've got, you've got to listen. You can't just mentally assent to that and think, well, that's really good. That's really nice. And go home and your whole life be torn up and your whole attitude be torn up because you have no peace. But Jesus said, it's not peace that you get when everything's going all right. It's not peace that you get, you know, when you get that raise or you get that bonus or you get this or you get that. It's not this emotional little high you get because the circumstance changes on your behalf. But it's something supernatural. Something from heaven that in the midst of the worst storm. God opened the door for me back in... 1993, July of 93, to go, to go to Haiti and hold a, conduct a pastor's conference. And I got notice about six weeks before I was to go. And about three weeks before I was to leave, the Lord really pressed on me in prayer one day. He said, now, nah, this ain't going to be what you think it is. And you need, to, you need to fast and pray. You need to fast and pray because you're walking into something. Now, the church that I was attending, they, uh, they, they asked for people that wanted to go. At first, I thought, well, we'll just have a missions trip, you know, take some people from the church. And the Lord said, don't take. He told me one person to take. I took one person with me. Well, that made a lot of people mad. 
So I said, take it up with the pastor, and because he was on my side, I had an advantage. Amen? So it took one person. And when we got there, we got there on Friday about 2 in the afternoon. Uh, has anybody ever been in Port-au-Prince on Friday at about 2 in the afternoon? Oh, my goodness. Now, from Eastern Africa, they have brought the religion of voodoo into Haiti. And one of the things that the practice of voodoo does is it seeks to defile the Jewish Sabbath, which begins at 6 o'clock on Friday. And at 6 o'clock on Friday, you have never heard anything like that in your life. People were screaming at the tops of their... Bells were ringing. Dogs were barking. Horns were blowing. People were crying out. Chickens were crowing. Cows were mooing. Dogs were barking. I never... And it went on and on and on through midnight. And they do that to defile the Sabbath because they hate God. That's why they do it. And you talk about scaring a bunch of people. Oh, my goodness. This, this ministry team that I was on had some... Had some, uh, what, what, what do you call the, the nurses that deal with babies? Uh, natal? Neonatal. We had two neonatal nurses and a dentist with us because they wanted to minister to the, to the pregnant women and, and they, I think that dentist pulled 400 teeth while we were there. And so anyway, uh, there they are. And they're like this. And they're just freaking out. And they're like, oh, you need a private prayer So I just started laughing. I just started laughing. And they thought I was crazy until I got them laughing too. And peace came. We were in a, we were, we were in a, 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 a missionary hostel. You know what that is? It's a, it's a compound where missionaries are. So we were staying there. And so then uh, we got to the conference and, and all that went on there. And a tropical storm came, tried to blow us away. We had peace, I had peace and all that. And everything, that, I mean, that was the craziest trip I'd ever been on in my life. I mean, everything that could go wrong went wrong. Everything the devil tried to do, it seemed like he, he did until we got, had a breakthrough in the Holy Ghost in the meeting and all those pastors got tremendously blessed. And even coming back, I mean, we were coming back on a Friday morning and we had to stay until Monday morning when the plane flew in because they didn't fly in every day. They only flew in on Monday, the airline we were flying with. So we had to stay, we had to stay uh, 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 Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night in Port-au-Prince. I'm like, here we go again. And so the little lady leading the missions team, she said, uh, Brother Rusty, we're going to get a cab. and We're going to go back to that, that, that hostel, that missionary hostel. I said, not me. <laughs> she said, what? I said, not me. She said, well, where are you going? Now, you've got to understand, we hadn't had a bath in six days. Nobody's had a bath. We were in a place where there was no running water. There was no electricity. This was, this was a place in which this lady's husband was the first white man these people have ever seen. I mean, we were out there. We're actually on an island called Laganov, which is right off of Haiti, about an hour's ride out into the, into the bay of uh, the, uh, the Gulf of Haiti right there. And when you uh, make a, a, a derogatory statement, you tell somebody, go to H-E-L-L. You don't say that in Haiti. You say, go to Laganov. Amen. So we're covered in dirt. The only baths we'd had been in salt water. Amen. Everybody's as bit up as they can be. The mosquitoes are so thick you, you almost had to keep your hand over your mouth to keep from breathing. So I said, not me. And she was like, well, what are you going to do? I said, I got me a credit card. <laughs> and I poked my head into the, into the uh, 
uh, uh, window of the cab, and I said, do you have a Holiday Inn? He goes, yep. I said, take me there. And so we drove up there, and you could feel the tension in the cab. And as we drove up there, I looked in the window. It was Sister Redmond, Helen Redmond. I said, Sister Helen, wouldn't you be more comfortable in the Holiday Inn? And you could feel the peace of God. <laughs> right into that cab. And two hours later, i never forget this. Two hours later, I met her down in the restaurant. And she looked at me and said, that's the smartest thing I've ever seen anybody do. <laughs> it restored the peace. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the peace that Jesus gives you in the midst of the greatest storm you may ever go through in your life. We as a people may be going through that beginning, the stages of going through that storm right now. Now notice what it says. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Everybody say afraid. Fear is what opens the door many times to your peace being ejected out of your soul. Fear brings trouble with it. And many times when things happen to you, and see, we don't consider the dimensions of fear that have to do with lies, that have to do with rejection, that have to do with all these other emotions that we try to paint a picture of them having another type of effect on us. But in reality, it's fear. It's just dressed up another way. Amen? And it comes at you in another way. And next thing you do, you fall into the same trap. I call it the Genesis chapter 3 trap. You start blaming. Now let me ask you a question. How much blame and how much fear is in this nation right now? Have you ever seen it on this level? No, you have not. And I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to see somebody rise up and cure it all. It's not going to happen. What's going to happen is God's going to raise up a people, a church, the family of God. And when I mean church, I'm speaking, you know, of the churches that are going to, going to follow God into this thing. And in those churches, against the backdrop of no peace, there's going to be a place of peace. There's going to be a people of peace. There's going to be a manifestation of peace. But peace has got to come into us and we've got to value it, hold on to it, and live by it in order to see it manifest. Now let me just say this. I'm going to preach this on Sunday. I started the series on our 10-minute our uh, uh, encouragement, uh, which starts tomorrow night. So it's uh, Thursday night, Friday night, uh, uh, Monday night, Tuesday night. I preached it to Flip. I think Flip has, has you got peace? He's got peace, I told you. Amen. And we're going to stay with it till, till we get rid of everything in us that causes peace not to happen, peace not to come. Now, go to, go to the book of James. This, this will blow your mind. Because we're going to get into some of the other definitions and things like that. But go to the book of James. Let me find it here. I'm just going to use the one verse in, in, in chapter 3. I'll read it. I like, now, I like this one in the Amplified, too. It says, And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Now, notice that scripture. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Now listen. You can have no peace in your finances. No peace in your health. No peace in your mind. 
No peace in your heart. But here is the formula of getting your peace back. Sowing in righteousness and making peace. You know, let, let me just make it real simple for you. Doing something leads you to nothing to get your peace back. Listen, if you can't do nothing else, start praying about it. Be honest with God. Be honest with yourself. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, I ain't got no peace here, Lord. My peace has been robbed of me. This has happened. That has happened. And if you notice, as you begin to rehearse what has happened to you, a light should come on. Boink. Because when you rehearse that, what are you doing? You're blaming. Because it's never our fault. It's someone has stole our peace. Peace cannot be stolen. It has to be given away. You say, well, I don't believe that. I've had my peace stolen. No, you haven't. You have to give it away. If Satan could steal your peace, he would do it every tick of the clock, every day, every month, every week, every year. You would never even know peace at all. Let me tell you the time you knew peace in its strongest force. The day you figured out you were a sinner and needed a Savior. And the day that you bowed your knee and said, Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. And when you got up here for your knees or you left that altar and that overwhelming delight that you knew your sins were forgiven, you knew that you were a citizen of heaven, you knew that you were born again, and that you knew, you didn't know how, but you knew, you know everything's going to be all right. I mean, I mean, did anybody experience that besides me? I mean, I had, I had no peace in my life for 12 years. And I had every reason to believe that no peace would ever come back. And in one night as I kneeled in front of a television set, when I got up off my knees, there's no way to describe the sensation of peace that hit my life. And I didn't know how. I had no idea how. But I just knew everything's going to be all right. I just knew it. And you must understand. Listen, I had to do something. I had to humble myself. I had to bow my knee. I had to respond to that preacher's invitation on the television. I had to be sincere and humble about it. I couldn't play no games. Could I blame? I could blame everybody, everything, you name it. I had so much blame, I could open a store of blame. You ever been there? I mean, and we do. We blame everything. We, just like a <laughs> little kid said, I didn't ask to be born. Amen. And I've seen preachers get bitter and mad. I didn't ask the pastor this church. I didn't ask to be a missionary. I, I just, and I'm thinking, my God, you've lost your peace. Amen. But it says, now listen, listen, listen to it. The fruit of righteousness is what? Say it again. Say it again. So what is the fruit of righteousness that you have to sow? It's everything that manifests and proves that you are righteous, that you have right standing with God, that means you have been forgiven. You have been forgiven, therefore you're going to do what? Well, you don't understand what they did to me, how long they did it, how, they, you know, how big the stick was, how many nails were driven through it. It doesn't matter. You have been forgiven of things that you could have never got right. God remitted your sin through the new birth and has forgiven every sin you've committed since you've been born again. 
The blood of Jesus cleanses you from all sin and all unrighteousness. Forgive, be forgiven. Don't hang on to the bitterness. I've seen people wear a chip on their shoulder for years because of something that was done to them. And oh, how bad it was. And oh my goodness. And I've also seen it transferred from one person to another where the thing didn't even happen to them, but it caused someone they told the story to to lose their peace. That's why you got to sow in righteousness. You start sowing in righteousness. Forgive me. How about love? Now let me say this. You might not like this at all. Social distancing. Got an idea what that is? Spiritual distancing yourself from your brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, I just look the other way. I walk in one side, they walk in the other. Woo, no amens at all on that one, is there? <laughs> they made a social distance. But we've been spiritually distancing ourselves for years from one another. Now let me, let me my time's up. Let me do this. because Is this helping anybody? You're going to like this. You're going to get your peace back. Now listen to me. Let me, t let me say something to you. There are things that are indicators of revivals and moves of God. I've seen them. I've experienced them. I've walked them out. And one of the number one, one of the number one indicators of either revival happening are pending revival or outpourings of the Holy Ghost. You know what it is? You know what it is? It's breaking the racial barrier. It is. You don't think that race is one of the most powerful tools the adversary uses against people on the earth? Whole nations have been wiped out. Genocide has taken place. I'll never forget that that uh, Star Trek episode where these two guys were fighting. One of them was uh, uh, Frank Gorshin. Remember the Riddler? The old Batman. Some of you are looking at me. <laughs> no, the old Adam West Batman. How many remember him? Well, praise God. Still got a little bit of church left. Amen. <laughs> but they had been fighting and they were transdimensional beings which means, you know, they, were, they could be in the natural world, they could be in the spirit realm, they could be out in outer space. And their planet had destroyed itself in a race war. And so they were fighting one another, and their fight was causing a great, uh, what would you call, a great danger on the Enterprise. It was causing the Enterprise, its, it's, it's uh, uh, orbit, to deteriorate around a planet, and they were in danger of crashing into that planet. And they were trying to figure out, why are these guys... Because every time they got together, they went at each other, everything, because they were not natural beings, all kinds of crazy stuff was happening. So finally, Captain Kirk says, what is it? He's looking at him. He said, what is it? How many remember that episode? It was crazy. What is it? What are you fighting about? And, and Frank Gorshin looked at him and said, can't you see? And they were both white on one side, black on the other. But one of them was black on this side and white on this side. And the other was black on this side and white on this side. Or, or whatever. You know what I'm saying. And they were just shocked. What? This 
this is what you this is what you destroyed your planet for and this is why you're fighting like and the end of the end of the deal is basically they got them kicked out of the ship and they rolled out into outer space fighting but the the ship was able to get out of the deteriorating orbit and save itself and they were looking at each other like that's whoever thought of that had an insight into how spiritually powerful prejudice is. I mean, there's prejudice out there that is so racial, uh, 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 spiritual. There's, there, listen, you say, I'm spiritual prejudice. What's that? That's exactly what happened in Acts chapter 10 when, when Peter kept resisting the Holy Ghost. When he put that, that sheet down with all kinds of uncle, he kept saying, No, not so, Lord. And, and the Lord kept saying, Rise. Peter, kill and eat. What God hath cleansed, call thou not common. He got in front of all his peers in Jerusalem and he was defensive. Well, I, uh, I preached and the Holy Ghost fell on him. I didn't lay hands on nobody. Because that, that was illegal for a Jew to do, to, to touch a Gentile. He was apologetic for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And if you graft his ministry from Acts chapter 1 all the way to that incident in Acts chapter 10, it goes up, 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 up. Then it goes down, 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 down. And after Acts chapter 12, you don't even hear of it anymore. Prejudice is strong. But when a church, when I first begin to travel, and I'd go to these little towns, and I'd go to you know, some bigger towns, around Corpus Christi, other places, and I'd walk into churches, and I'd walk into churches, and they would be, they would be uh, all Hispanic, they'd be all, all black, they'd be all white, they'd be all this, that. I would see that racial barrier break. And when that racial barrier broke, revival would take off. Amen. And the most precious thing we possess, is, it's not our mission's work. It's not our future plans to build a building. The most precious thing we possess as a people is the peace we have with one another. Amen. Every race, every, it doesn't matter. We don't see color. Always, we see one color. Anybody know the color we see? Red. That is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, in this day, in this hour, Satan's going to do everything he can do to try to breach that. But that is what we're going to have to protect with all of our heart. And then all the little incidents of our lives that have robbed our peace, we're going to get that stuff out of us. Peace is going to come back. We're going to have peace as individuals, peace as families, peace in our business, peace in our finances, peace in our homes, peace in our church. And you watch what I tell you, how that thing will explode in this area. And God will move like He's never moved before. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and worship the Lord. Father, we worship You. Thank You for the peace that passes all understanding. Jesus, how can we ever thank You that just as traumatic as taking the sin and iniquity of man, just as traumatic as having your, your, your back just laid open, for our healing. Just as traumatic was the chastisement of our peace that was upon you. Everything in the human experience that could steal or breach the peace of God in our lives. Jesus, you took it. You died on the cross. You rose from the dead so that we could receive your promise of John chapter 14. Your peace you leave with us. We thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin tonight. I'm not going to wait a week or two weeks into this series. I want you to begin tonight. 
If you need to get your peace back, I just want you to lift your hands and begin to thank God for peace. If there's any area of your life, you say, Pastor, Pastor I just got some areas of my life. I need the peace of God. I'm not going to look up. I'm just going to lift my own hands and I'm going to declare the peace of God over Island Church, over every person. And Father, I thank you that every one of us with our hands raised, that peace will be restored, that the breach of our adversary, that our eyes will be open, will wake up, will never fall into those traps again, and they will regain and guard the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ that belongs to His church. Thank you, Father, the process has begun, and what we begin to sow in righteousness, we're going to reap in peace into our lives. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. Praise God. Thank you for the peace of God that passes all understanding. No matter what the news says, no matter what anybody says, thank you that your peace, you left with us. We have your peace, Jesus. Father, we thank you as we leave tonight for your protection. We claim Psalms 91, no evil befalls us, no plague comes to our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Thank you, Lord God, as we travel on the highways, airways, seaways, railways, any other way of travel or transportation. We are blessed. We are protected. We are kept in peace by you, Heavenly Father. Lord, as many have returned to work, to business, thank you, Father. No accidents, no trials, no trouble, no terrorism, no evil plans of wicked men. We abide under the shadow of the Most High, thanking you, Heavenly Father. Thanking you, Heavenly Father, that we are the blessed of God. Thank you for the door of utterance. So many have no peace. So many are hurting. So many are fearful. So many are troubled. Let us be an answer to their prayer. Let us be a miracle in their life. Let us be a problem to the thief who comes, but not to steal, kill, and destroy. Lord, we leave tonight walking in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. Father, we walk in love toward one another. Thank you for peace that we have one toward another. Lord, we leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah.